good morning, everybody. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. You know, uh, Dean said LOL. I say OMG. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was a great communion. I appreciate uh, uh, his heart to really explain to us some of the things that Jesus is really trying to get across to our minds. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we're in the middle of a series called Recovery Road. And we start off recovery with we, not they. Right? Remember that, remember that lesson? Yeah. When you want to have recovery spiritually, it always has to start with we, not they. The second part of Recovery Road is when Ron Quinn spoke last week. Who, remember, who remembers that lesson? And what was, the, what was the, the theme there? Who remembers that? Your heart is an elephant, right? It's huge. You have to direct it. Right? We have to take inventory of our hearts. Good job, Peter. We've got to take inventory of where we're at so we can recover. And so today's lesson, once, once, you, once you identify we, not they, you've taken inventory of your elephant in your heart. You know, the little guy riding the big elephant. Remember that picture? He thinks, he, he thinks he's in control, but the elephant decides where they're going to go. And the third component is, once you have that... There needs to be a credibility factor. Whenever you recover, you're really trying to recover your credibility. You ever had a bad week at work? Yeah. We're going, they don't think I'm a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> and you need to recover your credibility. Yeah. Um, you, need to, you need to first start with we, not they. You need to also take inventory, but you have to, you're building your credibility. And it's the credibility factor. And think about some of the people uh, that you know of that... It's very difficult to believe their message. Uh, how much do you believe Lance Armstrong right now? <laughs> you know, you're, I'm not sure I believe that, right? You're not sure because there have been so many deceitful, bold face, in your face. If you've ever accused me, I'd file lawsuits against you. He's hunt you down, make your life miserable. There's been so much of that where, is this message believable? There's one guy. Uh, there's been politicians. I mean, I can name a numerous amounts. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Numerous. Okay, I had an inappropriate relationship. With, I mean, we can go down the list, whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican. There's always a credibility factor. You're always trying to restore it. Um, you know, you think about uh, Ben Johnson. Who remembers him? Oh, yeah. He broke the world record, 9.97. Beat Carl Lewis. Yet he was on steroids. What about uh, Marion Jones? You know, running all those all those gold medals on steroids. What about uh, Alex Rodriguez? I know you Boston fans are excited about that, but Alex Rodriguez. Wondering why that man hit so many home runs. Or Mark McGuire. How is that possible? What about Rafael Palmeiro? Pointing his finger at Congress, I did not take steroids. And then tested positive the following week. Yeah. <laughs> credibility. It's a cre- it's it's an issue of credibility. We won't even talk about Barry Bonds. Okay, right? Well, as a grown man, I'm an eight and a half. My feet are not going to go to a size ten. It's impossible. They're not going to grow. I'm done growing. The only, way, the only direction I will grow is muffin tops, dance. That's the only direction I will ever grow. I'm not growing here. I always grow here, right? As my kids call me in the morning, Dad, 
you're missing your muffin top. I said, thank you, I've been working on that. <laughs> I couldn't say it was Karen's fault, it was me. Because recovery begins with, with we, not they. I couldn't blame her cooking, because it's pretty awesome. So our message needs a sense of credibility, correct? It needs some credibility. Now, if you're thinking, I have no credibility, then this is the lesson for you. I'm giving you the how to get credible in our, in our life. How do we do that? Well, we've got to look at Jesus. And think about Jesus. He was God come down to earth. Think about that for a second. How did, how did, how did Jesus get credibility with you? If you claim to believe in, in Christ, if you claim to be a Christian, how did Jesus develop credibility with you? Well, the first thing was like, wow, he came down to earth. And he became subject to his parents and the world, in one sense. You know, one of the things that... Uh, things that I'm going to need your assistance here. One of the things we see is that we know this. This is Jesus' words in, uh, in heaven. Uh, when he came, down, he came down from heaven and he, uh, and he decided to give us some insight into his life. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's claiming one solid thing, that he has all the authority. Yet he came down from heaven. Lynn, if you're looking for batteries, the bag's on the side of it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Every power. I mean, what do you do with that? Imagine if you had all the authority on heaven and earth. What would you do with that? Would you settle scores? I mean, what would you do with all power and authority? I mean, if you have children... You have a lot of authority when they're younger, don't you? You do. In some respects, we've tasted all authority when it comes to maybe our kids. We decide how much they're going to eat, what they're going to eat, where they're going to go. We have full authority. If you have a dog, you have full authority. (laughs) Or at least you should have full authority. (laughs) Correct? When you have a dog in your house, if you don't have full authority, you ought to have full authority of your animals, right? How much they're going to eat, where they go, whether they're going to obey you or not, you have that authority. Notice I didn't say if you're married, you have a lot of authority. Just kidding. When you're married, you have to work together. It's authority, but it's, it's, a, it's a really shared authority on how to live your, our lives. So, in the story of the Gospels of Jesus, as, as we look at the Bible here, we're going to take a few guys, he takes a few guys to the mountaintop to go pray. Jesus takes some guys, and he goes to this mountain to go pray. And while he's on this mountain, lo and behold, Moses shows up from the past. And Elijah shows up. In the Bible, it's called the, the Mount of Transfiguration, and Jesus starts glowing. And Eli- if you know Moses, he was the guy that he, he helped free God's people from Egypt and Pharaoh. It's a big movie about that uh, from, from in, in the theaters. If you've you never heard of Moses, there's Elijah who helped remind God's people that God's in control no matter if all the pagan prophets took over. He came down just to tell the people that God's in control and he did a lot of great miracles. And he was taking them to heaven on a, on a, on a chariot of fire. So as they're talking, God speaks to them and says, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Imagine hearing that on a mountain. I mean, I go to the mountains and I get scared when it rains. <laughs> right? Here's some lightning. 
It's here. You go to a mountain and you hear the voice of God saying, This is my son. I am well pleased. And then he tells his guys that he's going to sacrifice himself for all of mankind. As Dean said, he, he's trying to, and they're not totally getting it. You know, you know when they, they said, no, no, you know, that's what Peter said. But another the group of guys had a different response. He said, they're going to beat me up. They're going to spit in my face. They're going to kill me. It's going to be brutal. And that's a very somber time. A very somber time. And so he tells them, he tells them, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, this is right after he says, I'm going to die. I'm going to get killed. It's going to be brutal. They said, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Next slide. What do you want me to do for you? He asked, you know, that's, that's an awesome guy with authority. You want something? What do you want me to do? He says, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. You know, so just get, get the picture here. I'm going to die. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be, you know, Peter says never. And these guys say, well, since you're going to die, can you sit right left? Since you're going to take a dirt nap, can, you, can, we, can we go with you? Have glory? You think? They'd be thinking something else. But all they're thinking about is themselves. Here's Jesus. I'm going to die. Hey, can you make room for me? Because I want to be number two and number three. You think they'd be sad and crushed, but they're not. I just wanted to let you know that because it's important that Jesus is trying to help them to get credibility. And our nature is to grab authority and to say, finally, someone has realized my ability. Finally, my talents has been recognized and acknowledged. Now, if you all just listen to me, I will lead you to glory. That's what our nature says. Right? We all deep and down say, I'm going to fix every problem that you have. So, verse 41 when they heard this, the ten other guys. They were indignant with James and John. Why were they so indignant? Maybe because they didn't ask. (laughs) Oh, you beat me to it. You beat me to it. They wanted the same thing. Said the right, said the left. Have some glory. Have some authority. Have it all. Most of us want the very same thing. A lot of times we want Jesus, to, you know, we want Jesus to fix things. Not necessarily fix me, but fix that person. Yeah. <laughs> fix the one sitting to my left or right. Fix that person. <laughs> Very rarely we look for Jesus going, can you fix me? That's not our nature. Yeah. If you fix my environment, then I'll be super Christian. <laughs> if you fix everyone around me, then I'll really be a, an awesome Christian. <laughs> But God doesn't work that way. In fact, He probably puts people in your life to see if you really are a Christian. <laughs> Do you behave like a Christian in a, in a non-Christian world? That's how God sometimes works in our lives. I put you in an economic environment with loving, awesome people, you'll probably be a loving, awesome guy. Put you in an environment with non-Christians, and then we see the credibility factor. 
Is your life credible? Not perfect, but credible. Credible. So in verse 42, so Jesus calls them together and says, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Jesus says, You know how people operate when they're in positions of power and authority. He says, you know that. He's saying to you this morning, you know that, you see that, you realize that, you live with it on a day-to-day basis. You live with people in authority. You understand how they operate. They exercise the authority. You know, ever been in in a place where the person that was in charge micromanaged you? To death. Gave you an objective, gave you a mission. He said, go do it, and then he followed you. He's <laughs> following you wherever you go. You're like, I, I, I know, I'm going, I'm going to the restroom. <laughs> and they're following you, and they're following you, and they're following you. They exercise authority, and they lord it over you. It's a constant. It's a constant. Why? Why is credibility such a hard thing? A lot of times it has to do with this feeling entitled to things. When we get authority, it's like, finally, I have it. They've seen the ability. And then we feel entitled to the authority. We feel entitled to the power. You know, we take a lot for granted. One thing I realized this week, I take just clean water for granted. So many parts of the world where water is just not clean. It's dirty. It's infested. People die from dirty water all the time. Take, uh, take your Starbucks, for example, for granted. And they just built a drive-through Starbucks down the street. I went to the old one out of having. And I thought, it's a drive-through Starbucks. <laughs> Are you doing it? Are you doing it? Where's the email? 
instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. These are the, these are the gods that says, hey, can I be number two, number three? They weren't expecting this reply. They were not expecting this answer from Jesus. If you want credibility, you got to serve. You got to serve. You know, Karen's in our marriage, been married 13 years. It's been awesome. Has some rough rides, some rough waves, you know, about 13 years of marriage. If you've been married, you relate to that. You're not, you're not judging me. You're going, yeah, I relate. <laughs> and one of the things he's always been trying to teach me is we got to work as a team. And I was more like, well, I am the head of the household. <laughs> the Bible's very explicit about that. It's right there, head of the household. And she's always like, come on. And I grew, up in a, I grew up in a home where my mom did everything. Over, laundry, dishes, food, made the beds. That just showed up. That was cool. He just showed up. Everything was... <laughs> I tried to bring that into my 21st century marriage. That was 19th century culture Ecuador. I thought, well, I'm a Christian now. This is going to work even better than my dad. She's going to do it and be loving. <laughs> and I thought, she's a Christian. It's going to work out great. So the rebellion was quiet. My wife's not an overt rebellious person. She's a, she's a covert rebellious person, right? So she starts making the same dish over and over again. Here was pasta and chicken. I was like, and then pasta and chicken, 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 pasta and chicken. I was like, can we make something else? If you help me. You start helping to be a team around here. And I'm like, I don't think I'm going to start helping around here, right? Start doing dishes. Now I tell her to get out of the kitchen. I said, I got all the dishes. I'm doing it all. Clear the area. I'm cleaning up that. She made dinner. I'm cleaning up all the kitchen dishwasher, everything. She's like, man, this is awesome. And, you know, instead of exercising authority, I just wanted to serve. And I'm like, why? I'm going to keep telling her, why did I do this a long time ago? It feels so good. And she feels excited to be around me going, wow, our relationship's just gone to another level. I'm serving. Credibility. It's a credibility factor, right? You want credibility with your children when you're wrong? Say it. I'm so sorry. Say it. You want credibility? Apologize when you're wrong. Parents are notorious going, I'm not wrong. I'm the parent. I'm the parent. Brought me around all. You're wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm mom. You're son. I live that. And I was like, so frustrated. You want credibility with your kids? Admit when you're wrong. Because they know who was wrong. You want to exercise authority? You better apologize for that. He says, not so with you. If you claim to be a Christian, he says, not so with you. A slave. One who serves. Why? Why did Jesus say this? Because look at this. For me, for the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve. And give his life as a ransom for many. Because I 
did not come here as a king down to earth to be served. Credibility. When someone that you least expect serves you, it does something to your DNA. Because in our DNA, we're going, wow, that's impactful. When you show up to work and your boss has something, a gift from them, I'm just so grateful you're here. I was thinking about you this morning. You're like, that's unnatural. You're not expecting that. You know, all these business books get written nowadays. And you want to know some of the themes? That. They're trying to get leaders in our world, serve your people. Like it's some brand new brand we're trying to do. It's brand new to the world. If you claim to be a Christian, you know this. You know it. Here's another question. Do you live this way? Because we can live in a theoretical world. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Theoretical. What gives, it, what gives you credibility is reality. Do you live this way? Do you have credibility? For the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and give His life To give us life. Credibility is when you're laying something down. As Dean says, if you want to follow Jesus, you have to deny yourself and carry your cross daily. You have to give your life. And it's just very comfortable just to believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Bible. I believe going to church is good. And that's good. And we live in that world. But that's not the world Jesus lived in. He didn't want you to believe only. He wanted you to live life to the full. And life to the full has a different meaning. Life to the full is not trying to accumulate, you know, sea dues and campers and trailers and bigger houses and bigger bank accounts. That's not life to the full. That's life on the edge. The economy tanks, you're going with it. Yeah. That's life on the edge. Life to the fullest. Hey, you can take everything I've got because I am living for Jesus. Yes. I'm serving. Take it. You want it? Take it. Living for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Much different. Much different. A king with authority. A king with total authority, yet serves. You know, after this, uh, this talk... They had another talk about, it was called the Last Supper in the Bible. It was kind of the Passover. And what that is, was that in Egypt, they had a special plague that God was going to do to convince the Pharaoh that he's God and he's going to free people. And so the angel of death, it's not, it's not a story you read your kids at night, pretty much. It's pretty scary, right? So the angel of death comes and people are dead and the Pharaoh frees them. And so every, every, every year from that moment on, they celebrate what's called the Passover. And so... Jesus gets with his guys, and they're going to celebrate this, this last meal together. They call it the Last Supper. And you'll find it in, in John chapter 13. And, and, the, and the Bible describes it this way. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus knew that. And he's kind of, the writer's giving here, John is giving us an insight into what Jesus knew when. He knew that he had the power. He knew that he had the authority. He was entitled to it, as we reference Matthew 28. But just because you have authority, doesn't mean it gives you credibility. Doesn't mean it. 
So Jesus gets up from the meal. And he took off his outer, outer clothing. And he wrapped a towel on his, around his waist. You know, Jesus was known as a teacher and a rabbi. And they, had, they had this cool robe. He wasn't flaunted, but he, he had a robe that, that signified him as a, as a teacher or a rabbi. He had, he had something on the outside of his clothing that just people knew he was the teacher. And he takes off his outer clothing. He has, he has, under, he has underneath, he's got some clothes on too, but he has his outer garment. And he wraps a towel around his waist. And you're sitting in the room, you're going, like, what is he doing? Why is he taking off his... Why is he taking off his, his garment? Why is he putting a towel around his waist? What's he doing? And after that, he poured water into a basement. And began to wash his disciples' feet. Drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him, he came to Simon Peter and said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? This is, this is weird. Wash my feet? He replied, if you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. I mean, Peter knows who he is. Peter doesn't want his feet washed. You're the rabbi. You're the teacher. You're from God. Earlier in the Gospels, he figured out that he was the son of God. He knew it. What are you doing? You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to take off your garment, put a towel on your waist, and then wash our feet? Do you know where they've been? He says, I've known what you've done with your hands, Jesus. You've healed the blind. You touched my mother-in-law and took away her fever. You touched the leper with those hands. You've done so many things that are so good with those hands. You gotta wash my feet. What's going on? You don't understand. Right now, but later you will. I'm the leader. And I'm going to make sure you have everything you need. Really trying to understand who Jesus is. Who he was. You have to look at his life and decide to live like Jesus to really understand Him. You don't know someone or relate to someone until you've walked a mile in there. Then you know. I realized doing laundry and washing dishes is hard work. But I've fallen in love with folding clothes. I don't know, it's, it's a weird thing now. Like I, I see a load of laundry, I'm folding. I'm just... I mean, it's like instant. I've got to fold, got to fold, got to fold. Praise the Lord. And my son is like, <laughs> my son's like, Dad, that's pretty good. He look, he's observing me. And I'm not even look, thinking about it. I'm just thinking about, hey, this is, this is, this is what is going to make our family close. 
simple things. Come from a son of a man who was born in Ecuador, whose the culture is totally different. And why my dad's in Ecuador, uh, making the last voyage journey to the old country, if you can relate to that. He uh, left a couple weeks, uh, about a week ago, and he uh, was going to do a couple things there. One, he's going to visit his father's grave he hasn't seen in over 35 years. Second, he's going to find his long-lost brother. He has a half-brother who he's known, who he knew up, to, up until 12, and has never seen since. So he's going to go look for him. And along the way, he's going to see some old friends that are still alive and connect. And uh, my second cousin, is, and, his, and he knows, my dad knows the president of Ecuador. He's, he's, he's in our family. I said, Dad, you're going to get a special jet? Special plane? You're going to call Raphael and say, hey, I'm coming to, you know, make sure there's a little security detail. Take my dad around to make sure he finds that brother. My dad's like, no, I'm not even going to tell. I'm just going to go. And my dad, you know the president. He's got authority. He's got power. Exercise that. <laughs> my dad's like, no, I don't want to do nothing. I, not even want to, I don't even want him to know I'm coming. I was like, I'm convicted. (laughs) When he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, rightly so, for that is what I am. I love that. I love that passage. You know know when someone calls me sir or reverend or pastor? No, 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 no. Call me Gio. Call me Gio. You know, it's not going to you, Mr. No, 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 no. Call me Peter. Call me Renee. Don't call me Mr. Sanchez. <laughs> Jesus goes, Lord, Rabbi, he goes, yes. I like that. He knew who he was. He wasn't even like, no, 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 call me. Yes, Lord, Rabbi, yes. He just got done washing the feet of the disciples. He was entitled to the title. Rightly so. You call me Lord and teacher? Rightly so. Not you saying that. Hey boss, you got that right. (laughs) Rightly so. You would lose so much mojo at work if you did that, right? You would lose so much. But they would abandon you, right? Jesus had credibility. Rightly so. Rightly so. He had credibility. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, I like how Jesus says that again, right? So, and then he reemphasizes it. Have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Let's look at it in a different way. That you should do what he has just shown us. Literally wash someone's feet. Or the principle of serving someone. Okay? If you want to wash someone's feet, that's awesome. If you want to serve someone, (coughs) do what I have done for you. You want credibility in your family, with your wife, with your husband, with your children, at work, in your school, at your high school, at your junior high, you want credibility? Serve someone. Serve. P. 
people are inspired by servanthood. Someone who should not serve is serving is inspirational. Serving. That's inspirational. And that's what he's asking. Uh, he's telling us these are the marching orders. This is his last meal. The last time we get together, serve each other. How far are you willing to go to serve someone? I mean, if you claim to be a Christian or to believe in God, how far are you willing to go to serve someone? Do you wait until they deserve it? Oh, I'm waiting. I'm going to serve. I'm waiting until they change. And then I'm going to really serve them. (laughs) Do you wait? Because Jesus did for us when we didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve salvation, and He gave it in service and died. How far are you willing to go to serve someone else? Will you serve someone before they ask? Well, whether they deserve it or not, will you serve? Yeah, I appreciate Fernando and Caleb this morning. Asked them to come a little early, get organized. And we planted a couple flags out on the street today. You know, it felt pretty good carrying a flag with Shoreline Church and they just went, <laughs> 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 Felt good. It felt like we were just marching down and uh, felt good to serve with them. Felt good getting together this morning with Dean and Dave and Steve and having a great time of fellowship and prayer uh, in our financial advisory group. Spend some time together. It's awesome. It's fantastic. And Jesus says this. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them? You know what he's saying? I'm the master. We're the servants. You're not greater than him. But when you don't serve, you act like you're greater than him. I don't have to serve. I'll just come to church. I don't have any responsibilities to serve the fellowship. I'm going to come to church. He says... You are not greater than the Master. But yet sometimes we act like we are. Like we're greater because we just want to be served. We want to come. We want the great environment. We want the music. We want it all done so we can come in and sit down and go, this is what I call a church. (laughs) And sometimes we have that attitude. I hope that made you uncomfortable because it made me uncomfortable when I read it. You will not get away by claiming you're a Christian and thinking you're better than the Master. Come on, Gene. You will not get away with it. You will not get away. You think you will, but you won't. He says, you are not greater than the one who sent me. So if you claim to follow Jesus and you think you can live life without serving, you're wrong. If that offends you, good, because it should offend you. That means you're, in, you're hearing the gospel, because the gospel is offensive. That's why they killed him. They didn't throw him a party. They were offended by this. So you should be offended. Let the gospel offend you a little bit. That's good. 
but do something with it. Let that sink in. Amen. So I got some homework for us today. I got some homework. Why don't you write this down? I got a mission for you. And I want you to do it because the Lord is watching you. I'm not going to be watching. I'm not going to follow you around. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But the Lord, His eyes range throughout the whole earth to look for those who are fully committed so to strengthen them. Your homework assignment is to serve someone in your small group. If you're, if you're in our church and you belong to a small serve someone in your small group and serve someone in, in your family if you have a family of kids. Your wife, your son, your daughter. And thirdly, figure out a way to encourage someone in the fellowship on a Sunday. Figure out a way. Think about it. You know what encourages me? When someone just gives me a card and says, gee, I really appreciate you. I'm like, that's so awesome. I love that. It's encouraging. I want to close out.